0: Heather!
1: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santee, and today I've got Richard Cohen on again. Hey everybody! (laughs) See, I told you it was Richard. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we're going to talk about swearing. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Hell yes. Um, although now that like it, I know that that's the focus, there's so much pressure to swear a lot in this one. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if it'll be as fun if I'm forced to do it. You know, it's like when someone assigns reading compared to... Yes. Yeah. Just be yourself and, and let it flow. It'll pass. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so the, the quote we're going to start with comes from a Calvin and Hobbes cartoon. I almost said Cubon. Calvin and Hobbes cartoon, which, if you don't know what that is and you're young or whatever, Google it because they're funny um, and relevant to working with young children. Um, but the quote is Calvin, the little boy in the cartoon, who says, Life's disappointments are harder to take if you don't know any swear words.
2: That is so fucking true.
1: Fucking Calvin and
2: Hobbes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I um, by the
2: way, pity anyone. Who doesn't
1: know Calvin and Hobbes. Right, right? Yes. Or only know him from the context of the decals in the back of the truck in front of you that has Calvin peeing on something he doesn't like. Right. Sad. (laughs) That's very sad. Yes. Yeah. One of the most exciting things for me about teaching at the community college last semester was that I got to pull out all my old Calvin and Hobbes books because I have pages dog-eared and notated that I think would be relevant to use in training situations with adults who work with young children.
2: Yes. I always show the one of him being put through the factory as a metaphor for education.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, Calvin apparently doesn't know any swear words, so he can't uh, deal with the the big things that are happening. Um, But let's start the conversation by asking why you wanted to do this one. Um, Well, so...
2: um, I just love to swear. I have a horrible potty mouth. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We learned that about each other early on. (laughs) Um, It was an early bonding
1: uh, thing.
2: Um, But never really got to explore it.
1: Uh Um,
2: I have a horrible potty mouth. Um, I have um, been around more early educators than I can count over the decades. Um, From lovely, lovely church ladies, in faith-based care and bless their hearts and God bless them to some of the most potty mouth, um, uh, just filthiest, uh, people. <laughs> um, um, never, none of them ever are around the kids. Yeah. But, um, right. I certainly gravitate towards the ones who are, um, willing to let it rip, uh, yeah. when the kids aren't
0: around. <laughs>
1: you know, i I they and you know I'm sure that there's always uh, or or often i this article floats around Facebook that says you know there's some new study that says uh people with higher intelligence swear more or uh swearing is is a good stress reliever or something like that. I'm willing to embrace both of those studies without looking any further than the headline that absolutely
2: was. that's a fact that is not alternative news. <laughs>
1: That is I, a fact. I don't even need to go through it, but um right. there there is something for me, and I think that's why I like the the Calvin quote about um you know having the words for the for the strong feelings or whatever it was. Um because it there is something that is just really almost healing for me sometimes. Yes, it's um, cathartic. am very cathartic. I have a a playlist on my um Spotify that I listen to in my car that is specifically curated for the days when I need to drive around and swear a lot by myself. Um, I have the same playlist. Oh my God. It used it's to be called-, called therapeutic swearing and now it's called filthy mouthed wife. Um, Mine's called the fuck mix. Oh, the and fuck it's, mix. Yes. And it's any song that I've ever had in, in my whole collection that
2: has that word somewhere in the song.
1: Oh, mine is not limited just to "fuck." It's it's a variety oh. of swear words, and a couple of them are either are even songs that don't actually have the swear word, but I add the swear word where I feel like it should be. And uh, love that. It's it's a great. We should go on a road trip sometime. Oh my god, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fuck yeah.
1: <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't, I had a super potty mouth in high school and then was super, uh, religious in my, most of my twenties and stopped mm. swearing. And so then it was like, um, I started again and people around me were like, Oh, I love this new site. <laughs> <laughs> well, to sort of take a serious
2: yes, yes. Uh, turn for a moment, um, you know, just, um, building on what you were saying a moment ago about how it's sort of therapeutic or cathartic and, mm-hmm. it it, it provides an emotional response for us. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it does. I think it activates, uh, some really healthy chemicals in Mm -hmm. in many of our brains. Um, but I think the other point that occurred to me as you were speaking was, uh, uh, hmm. you know, for early childhood educators, there's, there's a lot of focus on academics and cognition Mm -hmm. and, um, But we're responsible for the holistic child and for the emotional, social and emotional growth of young children, too. And in order to do that, we have to co-regulate. We have to be looking at our own emotional, you know, using our own emotional regulation skills and our own emotional coping mechanisms, whatever Mm -hmm. that is for people. Um, But, uh, you know, for me, uh, using curse words when kids aren't around um, (laughs) is part of that. Yeah. Um, when I used to teach, I was lucky enough to one of the, one of my teaching stints uh, with a group of mixed age, three to five year olds, I was lucky enough to have in a threesome of teachers, me and two women. And the room we were in had, um, a really large storage room, uh, like a walk-in storage room for all of our stuff that we would rotate, of course, you know, month after month and all the toys that weren't and manipulatives, whatever that weren't out uh, in the room. And we made an agreement before the start of the year that whenever we were frustrated, we had a signal and two of us needed to just go back there and cuss. Um, (laughs) we would go do that, you know, and the, my co-teacher, for example, would come back and go, I cannot believe he fucking bit someone again. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm going to kill him. And I would say, yep, I totally get that. Let's take a deep breath. Um, focus on compassion or whatever it is, let's go back in there. Ready? (laughs) Go. And then she would do that for me. We would all do that for each other back in that room. And cussing was an integral part of just letting that valve open so we could go back in and not be fake, but be really authentically loving with those kids.
1: Right. Because you let yourself process your feelings in a way that worked for you. Yeah. Or if not process, just vent. Yeah, yeah. Just
2: open the valve for a minute, and yeah. sometimes those curse words, for me anyway, help.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm just randomly texting you curse words when I'm frustrated. <laughs> now, you know, you just signed up for that.
2: Did I mention I'm changing
1: my number? <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Fine. Um, uh, so I just, I swearing is really interesting to me. I think it's so weird that some, some group of people, some people just whatever, have just randomly decided that some words have more moral weight than other words, or, or some words are, you know, bad. Um, like, like who decided that? I just don't, I, it's so weird to think about for me. Um, and like when my kids were teenagers, they had super potty mouths and, um, I didn't care. Like they swore at home and um, it used to drive their dad crazy because he was worried they wouldn't be able to eventually dis- discern when it's okay and when it's not. And so we implemented no swear Sundays for like a month where the kids couldn't <laughs> swear on Sundays just to prove to All their that dad though. that that they were capable. It was fine. You know, they were teenagers, okay. but um, you know, with, with younger children, even people get People get really worried about a child who uses a swear word um, and start throwing what? around words like disrespectful and um you know a lot of parent blaming happens around children using <laughs> swear words. And I think if we just acknowledge the power of the word and the way it might make you feel, that's you know, one way to respond, but also then just, you know, take the morality out of it and decide, let's talk about when it's okay and when it's not, and how can I help them navigate that?
2: Right. Right. Um, gosh, uh, so many things to unpack there in in all that you've said (laughs) going back to the beginning of of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, the, the curiousness about how some of these words got, uh, categorized as, as, uh, you know, bad Mm -hmm. and other ones not. Um, what I notice is the pattern is that a lot of the words that society considers bad are related to body parts and body functions, right? And sexuality.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's true.
2: And so to me, they're rooted in a history of, uh, you know, generations of sexual repression in a society. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this isn't about bad words, but it, but it comes to mind. Some years ago I was the vice president of learning care group, which was a, it's the second largest childcare corporation in the world. And at the time, they had 1,300 centers around the world. I don't even know what they have today. Mm-hmm. And I was the vice president of education, and I inherited these horrific workbooks that, had to, that the three, four, and five-year-olds had to do. And we Ooh. re-envisioned, yeah. But we re <laughs> them in a really unique way, and uh-huh. that was awesome. And early on in my tenure, I got in tremendous trouble because I put in a page there. We had to have themes you and I can do a whole other thing on right? themes. But, um, <laughs> so that's what I inherited. And early on, the theme was uh, our bodies or something. Uh-huh. And so Always. I put a page in there, yeah, about mm-hmm. um, what happens when you eat food and how it goes through your body. And um, there was a picture. And um, this is something to be taken home with parents to talk with kids about. And I put some language in there for the parents mm-hmm. saying, you know, um, well, first of all, mm-hmm. The first thing I got in trouble about, as I'm remembering, was that I said something like, uh, everybody has ho- holes in it. <laughs> and that was the first thing that flipped people out of their mind.
1: Because <laughs> they then, weren't aware of the holes? <laughs> uh, you're, you're not supposed to talk about the holes. Okay, like right. the ear hole
2: is okay, but sure. the urine comes out of not
1: okay. Not okay,
2: right. Don't know why. <laughs> if I were three, I'd be like, why are some holes okay to talk about body holes in some art. don't know. Right. Right. Um, but then I said, you know, the food goes into your tummy and, uh, your body knows how to take the things it needs the vitamins and help your body be healthy. And then the part it doesn't need, um, you know, becomes waste and it comes out of the hole at your bottom (laughs) and you know, it's waste because it's stinky. (laughs) And I thought that was like a really, Developmentally appropriate sure. way of explaining that process.
1: And relevant yeah. to their lives. Yep. Yep. But I had uh, people
2: lost their minds. Uh, <laughs> I had franchise owners who had to go in and take X Acto knives and cut that page out uh-huh. of the workbook. And one of the rationales was we're afraid if we, this, I, I, I shit you not, <laughs> literally <laughs> and figuratively. Um, one of the rationales was. Um, If we tell children that their poop is stinky, they're gonna be afraid to use the bathroom. Uh. So that's just a really good example for any early childhood educator of what it means to work with lay people who don't understand child or human development Uh and a great example of what you have to address and figure out how do I address this? Uh Um, Because obviously that makes zero sense. you know, uh, yeah, logically. But in these matters, it's not logic that that drives. People get very emotional and they get very reactive a lot of times because of beliefs that are entrenched in their religion or, right. or whatever, right? And they don't really think it through in from any kind of rational place.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I sort of. It's one of those things where. Hmm, how do I want to say this? I, th- I think about it in terms of swearing and that kind of language that we get so bothered about with children, um, that one of those things that we sort of have a double standard about, like things that are okay for adults, but not okay for children, um, you know, the I guess I'm trying, I'm stumbling, trying to figure out how to not make someone leave this podcast and say, well, Heather said we should just let kids swear whenever they want. Um,
2: Well, here's what I'll, I'll jump in and say, if it's helpful. Yeah. Um, For me, it's not, I mean, I get why you call it a double standard. Yeah. Totally get it. I'm there with you. But the way that I think of it, the way that I frame it in my professional mind Mm -hmm. is, um, as with anything, my job is to help human beings who have been on the planet for hundreds or maybe a thousand days um, (laughs) to make sense of this really weird, crazy world they found themselves in. Right. And I have to, that's filled with all these abstract concepts. And I have to try to figure out a way to make it tangible and accessible to them
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and developmentally appropriate. And I can't, I I'm under no expectation that they're going to understand everything, but they'll understand enough to get them through their moment. And then they'll revisit it next year and the year after. Just like there is no big talk. You don't have one sex talk with young children anymore. Mm -hmm. You talk about it, you hit on it, whenever it comes up in a meaningful way all throughout their childhoods, there's no one big birds and the bees talk. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, yes, we live in a society where there is a double standard. And there are words we're allowed to use that kids aren't. But it's important to me to take morality out of it, right? out of the discussion, when I'm talking with other people's children, because it's not appropriate for me to put my morality on them. Um, that's something that their family gets to do at home is, is I think, mm-hmm. is moral development. But we could have a whole other conversation <laughs> right. about
1: that. right?
2: Um, because the truth is, I mean, I know I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but if I say when someone hits you, you're not allowed to hit them back in my classroom, uh, that's a moral um, lesson right there. And Mm -hmm. just to be honest about it. Mm -hmm. But, um, but that said, um, I don't want to confuse children and I don't want to, you know, we we talked about how we all come from this society that's so repressed around our sexualities and our bodies. And I don't want to propagate that and keep that moving forward. Mm -hmm. So my little way of saying that to when a young kid swears, um, is to say well first of all in general anytime i'm working with young kids i'm always focusing more on my nonverbal communication than my words mm-hmm. that's more important to them so i'm paying attention to my tone and my face um i often rather than get angry i i feign confusion <laughs> yeah Right. Like, oh, I have why did you hit him? I know, you know, face. the head tilt, tilt and, and the, the face yeah. <laughs> Yes, for the people listening out there. I can see Heather and she's <laughs> making that face. Was a, would that this were a video podcast. You would have seen Heather's textbook. Perfect.
1: Right. Face. Anyway, you feign confusion.
2: Okay. Yeah. And I so and I'll say, well, you know, in general, as, as another example, I'll say, um, wow, I, I don't understand why you hit him. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know you know not to hit. Um, that's odd. Why did that happen? <laughs> that's odd. <laughs> yeah. Right, you know, because I know you know, because <laughs> um, we have talked about it before. And th- I find that way may, way more effective than what I'll hear other people often do, which is, hey, this is the third time today. I've told you not to hit. We've talked about this already. Mm-hmm. Because... In addition to the information, there's all this emotional stuff Yeah, gets put in that little folder uh, and it's full of shame. Uh-huh. And so I don't want any words that have to do, taking this back to our original topic, yep. I don't want any words that have to do with the human body or sexuality to have shame attached to it. At least they're gonna, you know, they're in a society where they're going to get that, but I'm certainly not going to add to it. Yeah. So, my one little way of doing that is um, rather than say good words and bad words, that's a bad Uh word, because I find that phrase really confusing for young children and really subjective. Right. Right. Um, I just say, I feign confusion and I say, oh, um, you just used a grown up word. Um, (laughs) Oh, wait, but aren't you four? Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm four. Or I'll say, aren't you, you know, maybe I'll knowingly say, aren't you three? And they'll say, no, I'm four. And I'll say, oh, right, you're four. But either way, you're not a grown up, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you yeah. don't get to use a grown up word. Yeah. I'll use that around other grown ups because I'm a grown up. But you don't get to use that until you're a grown up.
1: Sure. Give them something to aspire to. There you go. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Uh, so that I, think I mean. it's a
2: way of helping them make sense of it without um, making them feel bad about it.
1: Right. And without, yeah, just keeping all that morality out of it. Even if you feel that and that's your personal belief, you don't need to bring it into your response with someone else's child. I, I have a friend who, when her daughter was like three and mom and dad are, you know, just potty mouth, uh, all the time. (laughs) Um, you know, she, she told Her daughter not to say fuck because it's not a nice word and um, so she said the little girl said um, like three days later she's I was gonna say fuck mom but I know you told me you don't like fuck even though you and dad say fuck all the time you told me you don't like it so I'm gonna try not to say fuck anymore (laughs) and she just did this verbal processing vomit (laughs) right (laughs) Um, so she she was in a next stage of sort of understanding yes but
2: already all that energy is attached to that word.
1: Yeah, And there's exactly. a little
2: biochemical thrill in using it over and over and over again. <laughs> Especially because it's verboten and then that makes it more exciting, right? Right, yes. Which is why when the kid, when a child uses it, I have to just be a totally passive face and not have attached any, I can't get shocked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't get angry. Just like, oh, huh, that you're. that's not a word for you. That's a grown-up word. Mm-hmm. Um. One of my favorite little stories was when I was a preschool teacher, we were having family-style lunch, mixed-age classroom again, and a four-year-old, older four-year-old, was talking, uh, and uh, her parents were divorced. It was a Monday, and she was saying, last weekend I was at my daddy's house, and we watched a movie, but it had a bad word in it. (laughs) And then a little young three-year-old sitting next to me, his ears kind of perked up, and she said, and he said, did she say bad word? And I said, yeah, she did. And he said, you mean like booty or don't fucking do that? <laughs> and I said, and I had to, you know, bite my lip because I couldn't laugh. Mm-hmm.
1: And I
2: can't do, you know, just like, yep, that's mm-hmm. that's right. That's that's what she said. Yeah. Um, hmm. And that was it. I, I didn't want to go any further than, I, I felt like if I had made any kind of more extended comment around that or showed any kind of excited response, it would have added, attached that energy for this kid around Mm -hmm. that stuff that I didn't, he didn't need to have. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, of course, the other part of my responsibility was that at the end of the day, when dad came to pick up, I needed to tell him that story. And Mm -hmm. again, you said this phrase earlier, parent shaming. Mm -hmm. It's important that we don't shame them, but it is important that we educate them. So I told the dad and he was like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. I said, you don't need to be. But, you know, I'm guessing that because he didn't just use the F word. He said, don't fucking do that. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing someone said that to him and he heard it and he repeated it very innocently. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to get him in trouble for that. But it is a great lesson for you to be made more aware of the kind of language you're using around a three year
1: old. Mm
2: -hmm. It doesn't make you bad. It just makes you human. (laughs) now the universe just gave you a little feedback you know about what maybe you should avoid saying around
1: yes the fucking universe man right (laughs) fucking yeah um oh i don't know what i was gonna say sorry it's gone i think um it's hard for adults to be on the same page about it sometimes too and it's not something yeah. that you think about going through in like a staff orientation or team meetings. You know, you talk a lot, but, you know, and it's usually after the fact that that comes up in conversation with your coworkers. Very true. Um, and then there's all, there's maybe sometimes different, you know, levels of emotion and, um, and strong feelings just in that conversation. So, right. Uh, it's it's something that we have to bring. You know, we've been laughing about it. I've been laughing about it. Um, and, no, I'm joking. But but it is an area that we another area where we have to bring our professional intentions, you know, intentionality to to our decisions about what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Proactively, um, and, and, proactively, and I kind I think that's kind of what what uh, what you've described. Um, and And again, I don't think we all need to agree about whether it's okay to swear or not in our personal lives right. um or in a closet to relieve stress with another consenting swearer <laughs> but, uh, but it's it's you have to be aware of that strong emotion going into the conversation, i think
2: yeah, absolutely, and as an educator it's helpful to do what I think what we did, which is to be curious about it and say, where did that emotion come from? Why Mm -hmm. do we, like you started this podcast off with, why is it that some words, uh, you know. make me
1: feel better when I'm pissed off.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And and why, as a society, why did I find myself born into a society that categorizes some as bad and others not? Mm -hmm. You know, how can that inform my teaching? Mm -hmm. Uh, When perhaps, like me, you realize there's a pattern there that relates to body parts, body functions, and yeah. sexuality. And yeah, then I you go, Oh, I need to go educate myself further about sociology and history and understand why and whether or not that's something I think our society needs going forward. And if not, I'm the one who can help that change course as an early mm-hmm. educator.
1: Yeah. Such a, such a little thing that can have that, that, Broad impact that you're describing—it's—it's just another example of how amazing our work can be, right? um, right. And the opportunities that we have if we uh, if we are open to that.
2: But we do need to respect it, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. we're serving diverse families, Mm -hmm. and so there's value in in that whole piece with young children around. You know, we as adults can have a conversation about why this is so and trying to understand the history behind it. But that aside, it is helpful to say to little kids, um, you know, there are parts of our bodies that are private and parts that are public. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about that for a moment. You know, and the whole piece about, oh, well the ones that are private are the parts that get covered up by your swimsuit when you go swimming. Mm -hmm. And the words for them, what gets really confusing is that there are some words for them, right? Uh, (laughs) Like dick that you Uh can't say, but penis that you can say. And when you're a little kid, that's, that doesn't make any sense,
1: right? And I think that's when they need just our direct, simple. Well, that's a grown, like you said, that's a grown-up word. And you know, maybe I don't know why. If if the child challenged me, and it's like, well, why is that okay for grown-ups but not for me? I'm not always sure what I what I would say to that. I'd um, say I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know, but that's how it is, and I, so it's what we're gonna do. <laughs> And it's also helpful to differentiate
2: between the, with young kids, between the words and the body parts. So Mm. yeah, we all have penises and vulvas, that's true, but that word dick is a word that um, is a grown-up word, so you don't Mm -hmm. get to say it. Mm -hmm. So there's a thing about the words, but then there's other healthy thing about the actual body parts that those words refer to, and Mm. being really intentional about separating them out for young children.
1: yeah. (laughs) Tiny little thing like that. And there's a lot there, right? A lot there. Yeah. I just, um, even, you know, even just the word poop was really huge with my, uh, four and five year olds at the end of this last semester. (laughs) And, um, there were, uh, you know, there's so many adults in, in my setting that uh, I had to do a lot of in-the-moment adult explaining also. <laughs> so I just feel like it oh. became such a huge part of my life there for a while. And when they come back next week it pro- or in this month, it probably will not – like they will have all moved on from that probably. Um, so remembering that it kind of comes in waves sometimes and uh, they may experiment with it a little bit and then realize – that it's not as fun as they thought it would be and move on. Um, so we don't. Well, uh, but
2: I don't have a problem with it being fun. You know, yeah. I, if we're going to sing a song, if, if I'm going to sit with some kids and we're going to make up a song and someone says, let's have the song be about poopy diapers. <laughs> I'm in. Let's right. do it. What rhymes yeah. with poopy? Yeah. Um. You know, I don't, there's nothing in there for me to avoid.
1: Sure. And well, so that goes to, um, uh, yeah, I was thinking more about in terms of adult reaction, um, right. being being diverse. Um, because if we're going to say that for children to to have a valuable experience with us, we need to focus on things that are relevant to them and real to them. What is right. more relevant to a two, three, four-year-old child than poop and pee and, uh, exactly. and you and know, all that stuff? That's something they can really relate to and connect to and and uh probably well, if have I'm something three, to tell you about
2: <laughs> right if i'm three i mean let's remember first of all i've only been around on the planet for a thousand days mm-hmm. and um my whole potty training experience that everyone was so excited about and they were high fiving me mm-hmm. and it was a huge accomplishment in my life was only six months ago <laughs> you know like a, a quarter of the what I don't have to do the math, but right. a not a of the quarter, time but I've a fraction, a fraction of the of <laughs> a, a huge fraction of the time I've been on the planet. It's not yeah. that long ago. Yeah. Um. So why is it all of a sudden not okay to talk about when just six months ago I was getting high fives for it?
1: Mm. Hmm.
2: You know that's got to be that's really a good confusing. point.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Huh. Um. So you know, for me, one of the proactive techniques, as an yes. example, is, um. So I love doing round robin stories with little kids and then turning that into a class book. Do you ever do that? I haven't. Oh my God. It's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Each person adds something and then you go back and they each, oh, she's writing it down. I am. Um, Yes. (laughs) Um, And then each then that maybe the next day or later that day, each child draws a picture of their part of the story Mm -hmm. and then they get stapled together into a book and you Mm -hmm. go and you dictate that in front of them. And so there's a whole literacy thing happening in a meaningful way Mm -hmm. and that they take turns bringing that book home and reading it to the parents or reading it with their parents. Um, and they're super attached to that book and that story that we made up together. And, uh, I have a standard page, uh, that I created literally decades ago that I have always stapled to the back of any of those books, no matter what was in them, Uh which says something like dear parents, um, snuggle with your child and read this book. We had so much fun making it together. Please know that your child uh, is really proud of it uh, and it's really meaningful to them. So no matter how silly it is, take it seriously. Uh But the other thing you need to know about young children, parent, is that (laughs) um, um, it's likely that this book may contain something about body parts, body functions, blood, monsters, violence, anything else in the world that they're trying to make sense of. Mm. Um, And just know that as a teacher, I don't ever stop them. Um, I remain very calm and, um, and I let you all know when that happens. So you're never surprised later that we were talking about blood and bullets in class. (laughs) Um, I don't ever stop it. I let it happen. Uh Um, And so that's always at the back of the book. That's the proactive thing. So, and so they, I rarely ever had problems with it, because um, I educated the parents to understand that that's developmentally appropriate for their child's age, and don't be surprised if you see it. Uh huh. And here's how I'm going to react to it.
1: Yeah, that's a great approach. <coughs> Excuse me. Hmm. Well, Richard. Yes, ma'am. What else? Anything else? Do we need to wrap it the fuck up? Oh, fuck. Are we done? <laughs> I think we are. There's got to be more on this shit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, if you think of it, we'll just do a second episode. Hell, yeah. Yeah. We'll think up some sweary sequel name. Yes. We'll make it really, really clever, I'm sure.
2: The only one I avoid is the GD one. Because oh, yeah? there's a lot of religious people that get really, really triggered that exactly. you don't say it. Yes. Yeah. They get really upset. Oh, and and yes. then the, I, uh, the G word, I try to never use sure. around other people's children or just. Oh on yeah. The job. Yeah
0: yeah
1: yeah. I try and not to do that. And then when you add the kids. D.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The other hmm. ones, it's all body parts and functions and sex, <laughs> but that one it, that hits at the heart of a lot of people's deepest faiths sure i i that makes
1: sense and you know honestly if if i'm around people that i know that that really bothers i don't i'm not gonna like i'm not being an asshole about my swearing um but i'm also not a prude about it i guess right What i'm trying to say sure if there's people around me like uh you know uh, I, I, I'm not going to do it to purposely try and make somebody uncomfortable. Well, you know what that brings up for me is:
2: do we have time for another? Sure, podcast? go ahead. Okay. Well, you know we always talk about the golden rule.
1: Uh huh.
2: Um, and some years ago, I I coined the platinum rule, oh. um, which I always say is worth more than the golden rule. Mm-hmm. So the golden rule is basically right: treat other people as you would want to be treated. Yeah. But then when I kind of as a white male um, started realizing that um, even though I have more power than anyone on the planet, I probably have the least understanding of most people's experience on the planet. Mm. And I'm the most ignorant about it. Okay. Um, If I treat people the way I want to be treated, I'm probably going to fail if my goal is respect because I don't understand what they want or need because Uh I've got all my needs met and I've got all this power. Uh-huh. Um, so I've never had to even look, um, but I spent my life intentionally looking and learning. Um, and so for me, the platinum, so the platinum rule mm-hmm. is, um, treat other people as they would want to be treated.
1: Mm. That and so, is different.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's forms the basis of in early childhood relationship-based learning. You have to build relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot Harder and taxing because you have to learn this one is the one who gets really she's very religious She doesn't like if I use that particular swear word This is the person who really likes to be called by her first name, but this person likes She really wants her son to call me mr. Cohen because Uh that's how she was raised And I have to shift around for each different person so that I make sure I'm treating them the way they want to be respected Uh Not treating all of them the way I would want to be yeah that's a, a good way to do the, it.
1: Yeah,
2: it's not about swear words specifically, right. but swear words can fall within that.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
2: Well, this um, has been a fucking pleasure.
1: Really? <laughs> yes. I'm so glad you came up with the idea. <laughs> <laughs> and no, the sweary texts are coming. I'm just not gonna. I'm not gonna let that one go. I got to follow through. Said I'd do it. I got to do it. That's integrity, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you, Richard. And thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you'll come back again after this one. <laughs> for Bye, an- everybody. we we'll another another like this. <laughs> Bye.
0: <laughs> and that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production.
1: Oh...